So we are talking about giving. Now, last week, this is only one of the principles of finance, and we just only talked about tithe two weeks ago, and then we're going to talk about the other areas that I see God directs us to give in Scripture. So we're going to look after those today, and then the next message in the series will be on other principles of how wealth is uh, part of what God wants, okay? But let me give you a couple verses, and let's finish up today with the giving area. So Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So who gives power to get wealth? God. Okay, that's an important point to remember. And God does it for his purposes, obviously his kingdom purposes. John 10 verse 10 Jesus had this to say. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So the purpose of Jesus is to bring abundance, an abundant life, overflow to you and I. Of course, our church's name is Abundant Life Worship Center, and abundance is definitely something God wants to pour out upon his people. Because he's good, because he loves you, and because he wants you to fulfill kingdom purposes here. And you cannot fulfill kingdom purposes with nothing. It's not possible. You need tools, you need time, you need finance. Hey, it's part of God's work. And so we need to understand that and be okay with talking about it. Now, I do want to say right from the get-go on this message again... This is not a message to try to get money out of you, okay? That is not the purpose. This is a message in a series to help you learn something that will change your life in the area of finance. Okay, so that is the purpose. We won't be pressuring you or pulling you in any way. As well, we are only talking about one of the principles of wealth, and I said this before, I'll say it again. If you only learn one or two principles you will not fulfill your potential in the area of wealth that God has for you. If you learn and practice them all, you will completely fulfill your potential in the area of wealth. What do I mean by that? God has different uh, potential for each and different individuals. There'll be some that they can handle unbelievable amounts of wealth and God will take them there. And if they practice the principles, they will reach the fullness of what he has for them. But let's say they only practice one or two. Well, they might be here even though I'm practicing them all and I'm here. That's the potential he has for me to fully walk in it for me. We don't compare against one another. We're not trying to be wealthier than the guy across the row. Okay, that's not what it's about. We want to fully reach the potential God has for us. And we do that by practicing his principles doing the way he said to do it. Okay, you guys good with that? So, my point is, we talked about tithe two weeks ago. We're talking about giving today. If at the end of the service, you go give a whole bunch of money and you think you're going to be rich tomorrow, you won't be. You're like, did he just say that? I did. Now, when you give according to God, he does bless back, yes. But if you don't learn the other principles, you'll still struggle with finance. 
And the end of the month will come and you'll still wonder what's going on and you'll be like, that preacher lied to me. I'm not lying to anybody. Okay, here we go. We're going to look at three other areas that I see in Scripture that were directed to give. All right. Giving offering. So three other areas. Let me give them to you right away. So we already talked about tithe, giving offering, giving to others in need, and then some were directed to give it all. So we're going to look at those three as quickly as we can in the short amount of time I have. Please understand, I only got about 40 minutes with you. This is not going to cover every scripture on finance or everything there is that God has to say. So just remember that. I'm just giving you the best I can in the time frame that we have. So if you know something else that I didn't say, that's great. You know, press into that and go forward. Offering was beyond the tithe and it was directed by God for specific purposes. Now the definition of offering is a voluntary sacrifice to the Lord. Okay? A voluntary sacrifice to God, that's offering. Tithe, it already belonged to him the 10%, and we just brought it to him. That's not actually an offering. That's what already belongs to him of ours, and we bring it. But offering, we voluntarily now bring something to him. Uh, Offering was also given at the place of worship chosen by God uh, in Scripture in the Old Testament, so I'll read that to you. Same verse as we read a couple weeks ago. Deuteronomy 12, verse 11. You must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, and your offerings to fulfill a vow to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. You must celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God with your sons and daughters and all your servants. And remember to include the Levites who live in your towns, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. You may do so only at the place the Lord will choose within one of your tribal territories. There you must offer your burnt offerings and do everything I commend you. So, again, tithe, we discussed according to scriptures to your local church. This word offering also was used for ministry purposes uh, at the place they were to worship. Now, I do want to say this as we're going through this. If you're like, oh, I I did it differently. You know, if you didn't have the terminology right, as long as you're obedient to the Lord with your finance, that's what he really cares about. So don't get confused today or think, oh, I don't know if I agree with you. You don't even have to agree with me. If your heart's right and you're giving as he directs, you got this. All right. But let me give it to you a little bit what it says. All right. So offerings. There were so many offerings in the Old Testament you would not be able to remember them all. Or at least maybe I wouldn't. Maybe you will. But let me just give you a list of some of them. There was the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the thanksgiving offering, the freewill offering, the wave offering, the sin offering, and the guilt or reparation offering. That's a lot of offerings. You're like, they must have been at the temple all the time. Well, yeah. I mean... (laughs) You think of the names of some of those. Now, here's the good news about this offering stuff. The good news is that we no longer have to make sacrifices for sin or atonement or our peace because Jesus did that once and for all on the cross. So we can forget about a whole whack of those offerings. And what that means for us today when we put it into our context and New Testament context 
is simply that the offering we give to God would be for thanksgiving, for worship, or ministry purposes. Okay, so uh, when we talk about ministry purposes, this mission trip will be a ministry purpose, right? That's above your tithe, but it's an offering for ministry work. Does that make sense? So that's what these are for. And so for us, we don't have to worry about any of that sacrificing for sins and, oh man, I did something wrong again today. I got to go get a dove or a lamb and thankfully no. And church, I do not want anybody ever giving in the offering because they feel guilty or they did something wrong. You're missing God's word if you do that. It's already paid for. Okay? If you're ever at a meeting somewhere and you're made to feel guilty or pressured, don't give. That's not how God does it. He wants you to be cheerful. Okay? That's why I tell jokes so you'll be more cheerful. No, that's not why. <laughs> okay. That is not why at all. All right. Here we go. Offering, in our context, ministry purposes, what does that look like? Here's an Old Testament one, Exodus 35, 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service and for the holy garments. So Moses was about to build the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. It was before the stone temple. It was their meeting place. And it was more like a tent with big walls and all the stuff. But he had God's direction how to do it. And then he said to the people, hey, we're going to collect an offering to build this tabernacle. And the people began bringing for the tabernacle. Now they already would have brought their tithe, but this was an offering beyond that. Now, interestingly, when they did this, something really amazing began to happen. And it's in Exodus chapter 36 and verse 5. And it said, They spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing. Whew, what a great problem to have. Can you imagine? Now, we are not doing a building project either. So, you know, it's okay. This is things I want you to learn. But can you imagine if I had to put a pastor at both debit machines and tell you, stop giving. The building project is full. I know you guys think that would never happen. <laughs> hey, we, we've got a vision and mission that this church needs to do, and uh, some of you who are part of the church, you know, last year we didn't meet our budget or revenues, and we had made that budget with some faith, and uh, we didn't make it, and I was talking to my district coach, because we're part of the POC, and my district coach, he kind of chuckled, and he said, I have a few pastors this year who their vision was bigger than their budget. I was like, that was a nice way to say it. <laughs> but don't worry, we've, we've got vision and mission. We want to see people come to Christ. But in this instant, they gave so much that they had to say, stop, there's enough. And that was a building project. That would be like having a building project and it's way beyond what you already need. You, said, you have to tell the people, stop, we're good. Now that's awesome. That's God's people saying, yeah, we want this to happen. Acts 4 and verse 36 is a New Testament offering to the church. And it says, for instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, 
which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So this was the early church. The apostles were leading it, and people began to have a heart to give for the work that they were doing, for the ministry that they had. And so this gentleman named Barnabas sells a piece of land and decides I'm bringing it all, and I'm going to give it for the church and for that work. So that would have been an offering. That was obviously not 10% of what he sold. He just brought it all. So offering was something that happened before the old law, in the old law, and after. Now, offering was also used for worship and thanksgiving. And this is something that maybe we have forgotten, that our giving is actually an act of worship. But here's a story in John chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. Now, this is an act of worship. And we know from Scripture and other uh, of the Gospels that this was very expensive perfume. I heard a speaker in our finance course say that the amount of the perfume was about a year's wages. The average year's wage in North America is about $50,000. A bottle of perfume worth $50,000. But here is the point in one of the other Gospels we read that Judas got really upset about it. What did she waste all that money for? We could have sold that and gave it to the poor. Jesus said, no, she did this for a reason. She did this for my burial. She was worshiping, and the act of pouring something on someone's feet and wiping it with your hair is the ultimate act of worship. Thankfully, we worship Jesus. We worship the Lord. Don't worship people. But he was the Lord in the flesh, and she worshiped him. And she gave something very expensive, and it was a powerful, potent perfume, and it says it filled the room, but it probably went beyond the room if it was that expensive. But I have something to tell you. It went farther than the room, because here we are 2,000 years later talking about her offering. Here we are in awe that somebody would spend a year's wages just to worship. No reason, no call, or no somebody saying, oh, we got this building, or we need to do, Uh uh-uh. A love for Jesus and an understanding of who he was and where he was about to go. To the cross, to the grave. Worship. Church, can I encourage you? Let giving be worship. Don't Give at the debt machine like you're buying something from Walmart. Who cares? Worship him. Let him know, Lord, I'm giving you this from my heart. I'm giving you this because I love you. And you've blessed me so abundantly. You see, this was a blessed home. We read that they had dinners there 
often with a whole bunch of people. This was obviously a wealthy home. And Mary said, I've got something, the most expensive thing I own, and I'm worshiping him with it. I just love that story. So worship, Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. This is Jesus, and it says, He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. You see, Jesus cares about your giving. Why would he sit right next to it to see what people gave? But he didn't really care so much about the amount or the total, but he cared about the heart. And friends, this little lady loved the Lord more than anybody could imagine. You see, she didn't know anybody was watching. She would not get anything from doing that. She would not get any recognition. There was no special treatment she was giving from her heart. And who knew what her prayer might have been as she walked there to give it? Maybe in her mind she's saying, Lord, I love you more than anything. Nothing's been working in my life. I got nothing, but I don't care. I'm, I'm doing this for you. What was in her heart? Let your giving be worship. Let it be from your heart. Please, don't do it because you're religious. Don't do it to please somebody. And for sure, don't do it to show off. Now, offering in our context is simply a voluntary sacrifice to the Lord where we worship Him, where it's given for the work of the ministry, and it's an act of thanksgiving. Now, the second type of giving that we're going to look at today as we wrap up all the giving, I've got one more after this, but the second one is giving to others in need. This is separate, and there are actually principles to it that are a little bit different than tithe and even offering. So giving to others in need, Luke 6, 38. Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Jesus is talking about giving to other people or other needs in your world. This is what he's talking about. He says, when you do this, it will be given back to you. And the idea is that it's given back from other people. But also we understand that it's given back from the Lord. Because scripture says, giving to the poor is just like giving to the Lord. Okay? So there becomes a double blessing back when you're giving and helping those in need. Did you know that? I see from scripture a double blessing. So know that when you're obedient to the Lord and you're giving in that area, he says, I'll bless you back through others and I'll also bless you back. Now this giving and receiving is also the part of giving where we do it first and then it comes back, like planting seed. See, that's not the same as tithe. Tithe, God's already increased us, 10% just belongs to him. That's also not 
what we see from offering. Offering is voluntary. We just say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. And yes, he blesses back. But this sowing and reaping, this where I have a little bit, I do it and it grows back, is giving to other needs. Whether that's ministries out there or people you know, this is giving to other needs. So this is important. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. This is a situation again where they're giving to meet a need. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So that each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance, abundance to give to every good work. This is the sowing and reaping principle. It's your giving to other needs. Yes, in the other areas of giving, God pours back. He opens the windows of heaven with the tithe. But this planting, and I would like to say what I read from Scripture, if I'm up here as a pastor telling you, do sowing and reaping when you give, I may be a little bit out of line with what it says. But don't worry, God blesses and it all works out. Okay, so when you give to someone in need, you're planting seed. Okay, we can remember that. When you give to someone in need, you're planting seed. When you give to someone in need, you're planting seed. Now, if you were here Saturday night, we actually did a little, and they all remember it forever. I had one young person trying his hardest not to bust up laughing because it was the worst rap he'd ever heard in his life. And I'm not going to do it at the 11 o'clock service because I don't want to offend you guys. Okay. But remember that. When you give to someone in need... You're planting seed. You guys got that? God's pouring on your heart to give someone in need. It is not money disappearing. It's planting seed. This is an important principle. It's not like shopping where it disappears. When you give to someone in need, you're planting seed. So the next time God puts on your heart, help that person. Like, oh, but I don't have very much. And when I have to say someone in need, I'm not just talking about a street person. There are all kinds of different needs at all kinds of different levels. But please remember that and don't forget it. Jesus gave to people in need. There's a story in Matthew that I'm going to read in just a second. And in this story, the people had come to hear Jesus and they were hungry. Who's hungry right now? <laughs> don't say that, Pastor. All the, all the young people, oh, starve and hurry up. Okay, well, this happened while Jesus was preaching. They were there all day with no food. And they were hungry. And the disciples are like, Jesus, send them to the town so they can go buy food. Because, like, we're going to have a riot of hungry teenagers soon. I don't know if they said that. But you know what I mean. Hungry people. And Jesus said in Matthew 14, verse 16, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Okay, this is meeting people's need and it is planting seed. When God puts on your heart to meet a need, it has nothing to do with how much you have. It has everything to do with your obedience. 
Okay, and again, right now I am not talking about church ministry offerings. I'm talking about God laid on your heart to help a family member, to help a cousin, to, to help somebody who's moving. There's all different needs. I want your mind to expand a little bit here. Don't just only think in one small area. Someone in another country. And he lays it on your heart and you're like, I don't have that much. Stop. If he's laying it on your heart, you're planting seed. And he will multiply it. He will. And so Jesus knows this. And he says, bring me what you have. Okay, here's the key. What do you have? If you're going to help someone in need, give what you have. I guarantee it will multiply to be enough. Okay, what do you have? Jesus takes that bread and that fish and he blesses it and it begins to multiply. And they feed 5,000 men beside women and children. That is a lot of people with five loaves and two fishes. But here's the thing. Then they collect what's left and they have 12 basketfuls of food. What? God's math is crazy. That's the old, old math, not the new math. <laughs> the old, old math. I have five fish and now I have 12 baskets and I just fed 5,000 people, plus women and children. Wow. Be obedient in your heart because giving to someone in need is planting seed. I'm excited about what I'm going to hear from this. I really am. I love to hear stories like that. God put on my heart to help sister so-and-so or to help brother so-and-so. And guess what happened the week following or two weeks later? It was amazing. Tell me your stories. I want to hear them. You know, sometimes as pastors, we preach it out and we don't get to hear your stories back. I know I'm busy and you try to talk to me and I'm off here and there, but I do want to hear your stories, Okay. You can text me your stories. You can email me your stories. You can phone me. If I'm not in a meeting, I'll answer or I'll call you back. I want to hear your stories. This book, a lot of what we learn is from stories. The New Testament, the Gospels, are stories of what they heard and saw. Your story is powerful. And I got to hurry up. Giving to others in need. It is important. Now, never give selfishly. We shouldn't lie about giving or give to get glory or privilege. Okay? Please remember, give from the heart, but don't do it in a selfish way. Selfishness always ends up causing an issue. And of course, Acts chapter 5 and verse 1 to 9, we're not actually going to go there, but you can go there on your own, is the story about a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who for a selfish reason, decided to lie about their giving. And we don't really know the reason, but we can imagine. You see, I told you the story of Barnabas who sold an entire piece of land and gave all the money to the church. Maybe it got mentioned in Ananias and Sapphira like, hey, we want to be noticed like him. We want to be in close with the apostles. Because Barnabas did end up traveling with Paul. Now, we don't know why, but maybe Ananias and Sapphira had that reason. So they decided together they'd sell a piece of land, and then they decided, we're going to keep back a bunch for us, but we're going to tell them it's the entire amount. I have no idea why you would do that, except because you were wanting people to notice you. There's really no other reason. And Ananias comes before Peter, who was kind of the head of the church at that time, and says, we sold a piece of land, and we are bringing it all. 
I don't know if he thought he was going to get his name on a plaque, or I don't know. We're going to put your name on the plaque for the people who gave it all. Like, I don't think they had that back in those days. But his heart was not right. And Peter said, Ananias, why are you lying about this? It was yours. You could do whatever you want with it. He could have just said, here, I have a part of it. It still would have been a great blessing, and he would have been blessed back. But no, he chose to lie, and it says that he just dropped dead right there. They took him out, they buried him, and about three hours later, his wife shows up. And she shows up with the same lie. And Peter asked her, is this what you sold the land for? Oh, that's the exact price. We gave it all. And she drops dead. And they go bury her. And it said that fear fell upon the church. Yeah, I'll say. (laughs) Now... (laughs) I would like to say, nobody is dying here, okay? (laughs) My only reason for bringing it up is simply this. God takes your giving seriously, and it is between you and Him. Just be honest and open-hearted with Him about all your giving. And know this, He's smiling down, and He loves you, okay? I'm just going to leave it at that. No selfish reasons when you give. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, Jesus briefly mentions this to his followers. He says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, or you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, I want to say this is specific to giving to people in need. You're not trying to embarrass them, and you're not trying to get credit for it. This is a very specific type of giving, so you don't need to start a YouTube channel about giving to people in need on the street. Anyway, we'll leave that alone. You don't have to put it public on Facebook. Just do it as confidential as you can. You're trying to bless them, and they may be embarrassed about their situation. So any giving to someone in need, please do it as confidential as you can. I want to make a point also on this. It's not wrong if someone knows that you give tithe or offering. I had uh, someone one time come to me and said, well, I give, but I never write it on an envelope, and I never want a tax receipt because that means people know what I gave. That is specific to giving to people in need. It's okay if the government knows what you gave and wants to give you money back so you can give more. Okay, that's not sin. You're not against scripture. Okay, I just want to throw that out there. So if anybody needs their tax receipt, no, it's okay. You already got it. But anyways, just wanted to let you be at ease in that area. Okay? And let's be honest, Jesus didn't rebuke Mary who gave it unbelievably expensive offering to him in a private room, but lots of people there. Okay? So I just want to set your mind at ease. The heart is what matters. Mary wasn't doing it to be recognized. As a matter of fact, the only recognition she got was somebody mad at her, saying you shouldn't have done that. So guys, your heart matters. God's got you. All right. We're finishing up with just a quick look at where some people were directed to give it all. 
Mark 10 and verse 28. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you. You see, they gave up their business, their boats, their nets, even their homes, and they just went to follow him. Now Jesus said, hey, if you've done that, I'm going to bless you back a hundred times more in this life, and there'll be blessing in uh, eternity in heaven. So people who were directed to give all blessing was going to come back this life and also in heaven, just so you know that. And there is scripture about this, but I want to make a point here that's really important to you and I. Giving it all and saying it all belongs to him are not the same thing. Uh, But I believe it's important to understand that it all does belong to him and we're managers of what he gives us, okay? So just remember that. We're managers of his stuff that he's blessed us with. And in his word, he already tells us the first 10% goes to your local church. And then after that, we listen to the Holy Spirit how to deal with the rest. That's important. But we wouldn't say that we've given it all because we say it's all his. Giving it all is actually giving it all. I remember reading a book years ago about a gentleman. And in the book, he says how God told him he needed to give everything away and to another person. By everything, he meant his house, his vehicle, and everything in the house. And I remember reading this book like, thank you, Jesus, it was him. Like, I, I don't know if I even had a house back then. But anyways, uh, <laughs> he did it. And then he had a good-paying job, and he knew how to work and create finance. He built it all back up again, had a vehicle, a home, and I do believe he was married uh, the second time around. And God directed them to give their everything again to somebody else. They gave everything again. He went back to work, built it all up, and a third time, God asked them to give absolutely everything. And in his book, he said, we were getting older by the third time, and I was like, are you sure, God? Because it takes a long time. But he would not let stuff be more important to him than God's leading. Wow. Now again, I'm just throwing this out for you to see the different areas God directed people throughout history and in his word. Some might be directed, someone might be directed, God says, here, give it to me and I want you to go there. We actually had a lady from our church who felt she was supposed to move back to South Africa. Well, you know, you can only take a suitcase when you go to South Africa. And she laid aside everything here to go do that and sold much of the stuff and gave here and there in different areas. So yeah, it does happen today as well. But trust me, it will not be just something that's emotional. It will not be because somebody else told you to. You will undoubtedly know God is directing you in the direction he's asking you to go. Okay? I think uh, Pastor Bruce and Kim, they felt to basically sell everything and go to Bible school. That is, in a sense, giving it all to go do what God says. So it does happen from time to time. So I just want to give you that. That is a thing in Scripture. Jesus asked a rich young ruler to do it in Mark 10 and verse 21, and he wasn't able to. He said, oh, I like my stuff better. So don't ever put your stuff before God, and I believe that you'll be in a good spot. Now our example, Jesus Christ, he was a giver. Yeah, he was. He gave it all. It said he became poor for our sakes. He left heaven. He became 
human flesh to live among us, to be born in the poorest of poor places and to show up in a stable. And those who witnessed his birth were the lowliest of the lowly, shepherds, stinky shepherds. There was high class, middle class, low class, and then there were shepherds. He gave it all. He could have been born in a palace with people worshiping, but no. He gave it all. And if you're here today and you have never experienced his love and his heart, you see, he gave all that and then he said, you know, that's not quite enough. I also want to give my entire life. And Jesus came and died on a cross. He hung there in pain. And it said he could have called angels to take him off and he refused to call angels because he was doing it because he loved us. He didn't do it to make a name for himself. He did it because he loved you and I more than we can imagine. He took our place, bore our sin. And church, if you're here today and you've never asked him to forgive your sin and come in your life, we want to give you opportunity to do that today. Every service that we possibly can. If I don't know someone, we're praying and saying, Lord, I want what you already paid for. So we're going to do that again today. And I want you to repeat after me. If you've said in your heart, I do want him to forgive me. I want him to be in my life. I want to know that I'm going to make eternity my home. Then I'm going to ask you to use your mouth to say what's in your heart. Scripture says in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're saved. It's that simple. So we're going to do that right now today. So if you will, just bow with me and repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Use my life. I thank you now. I am saved. Amen. Give God praise for that this morning. So I want to pray in this area of finance that God sets you completely free, that God begins to reveal things, gives you the heart of Jesus. So bow with me as I pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this group, every one of them here today. Lord, I thank you for their hearts to hear about giving and to receive it, not to get uptight or worried or wondering, but Lord, they're just saying, okay, God, I want to do what you want. I want to be at the level you have for me in the area of finance and wealth. And Lord, I pray right now, overflow begins to happen. You see, overflow begins with a trickle and then it opens. Lord, I just pray right now, touch hearts, minds. Lord, let your people be bright lights overflowing everywhere they go. We say it now in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.